there's been a part of me that's always cheered for the underdog. And I think part of it is probably because there have been times in my life where I was the underdog. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. This show is about intention, transparency, and insights from business professionals sharing their personal business. Discover what they've learned the hard way so you don't have to. Empowering a new breed of self-aware leadership. Here's your host, Angus Nelson. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. I'm your host, Angus Nelson, and it is so great to have you here. We made it to 50, y'all. It is episode 050. And if you are new to the show, I just want to give you a quick little synopsis that this is your weekly dose of both business savvy and emotional intelligence, and oftentimes a bit of inspiration. I help you master your mindset, dominate your fears, unleash your amazing and live your most effective self. Thank you so much for stopping by. And I also want to say thank you to all of you who have uh, reached out about the coaching and mentoring campaign that just rolled out. I'm busy following up on all of the assessments you filled out, and you'll be hearing from me shortly if you haven't already. And specifically, I've got two mastermind groups with some slots available. One is around leadership, the other around entrepreneurship. So if either of those are of interest to you, I do have some slots available. Um, they consist of 90-minute webinars. Uh, those calls uh, are happen each month with a small group of like-minded professionals just like yourself. And I'm my role is kind of like the facilitator. I facilitate the discussions, but participants are the real magic sauce to all of it. And together, we uh, we kind of promote each other. We also have collaboration in, in what each other are doing. And we also have great accountability to move everyone ahead on each of our endeavors. So um, all those calls are recorded for your convenience. And of course, uh, in addition to all the networking, if you act by August 23rd, I've got some other bonuses for you. And um, that includes all of my new projects as they become available. And this is something, again, I'm just doing as I launch this public program. You'll get access to products that include my Courageous Creativity ebook, my Mental Momentum e-course, my Manhood Matrix e-course. And that's not just for men, by the way. I also have a Fear of Success ebook coming and a Listen to your, uh, Listen Like a Leader uh, ebook. I'm also doing a visualization, visualization exercise audio, which you heard an example of that on last week's episode. And then I've got two more ebooks um, and of course my empowering work uh, book to be released in, that's going to be released in 2017 in the month of April. So you'll get a copy of all of that if you get started by the 23rd of August. So giddy up, let's do it. You can find out more information about that simply by going to angusnelson.com 
forward slash mastermind and then to fill out the assessment form um, you're going to see that that will come through my door i'll read that and then i'll get back to you and set up uh, uh, some time for us to have a conversation one-on-one and uh, if you get in by august 23rd again all of those bonuses will be yours so let's get on to today's show it's going to be a little different and that's because it's show 50 and as such i asked one of our former guests peter awad from the slow hustle podcast. He was on episode 033, and he and I actually got to spend some time uh, together at Podcast Movement for a few weeks back uh, in July, and I really dig what he stands for and the kind of dude that he is. And shout out to Chris Lee in Scottsdale, Arizona for introducing the two of us together about a year ago. So why am I having Peter interview me? Well, that's a different story. It's my story. And for those of you, again, who may not have been with the program all of this time, I wanted to kind of do a little bit of a reset. And I'll talk a little bit about that on the show. So in reaching the big five zero, uh, me personally, I'm getting more comfortable, more confident in how I do my show and how I interview the guests that I have on this show. And for those of you, again, who have been from the beginning, you've seen that progression. And yet, for many of you, you still don't know, you know my entire story. And this will give you an opportunity to hear me on a more personal level. And for those of you who have been listening for a while, you're going to hear some stories that you haven't heard before. And truth be known, I feel like sometimes I... I don't know. I feel like I I'm speak a little more freely on other people's shows than I have even done on my own. And I wanted to create an opportunity for me to just kind of be super transparent. And the best way I knew how was to have somebody else facilitate that. So I'm just going to let it rip on this show. And so with that, let's jump into this reverse interview of Peter Awad uh, interviewing me on my own show. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast. I'm your host, Angus Nelson. I am here with Peter Awad, and you may be saying to yourself, didn't we just hear from Peter not so long ago? Well, that may be true, but we're doing something a little different today. Peter is interviewing me on my own show. So welcome, Peter. Hey, man. I'm happy to be back. Excited to interview you on your own show. It's going to be fun. And it's the reason why we're here is because it is the 50th show that's been recorded. I don't know. You're, you're on like 1,342 shows or something like that. But <laughs> We're nearing 100. All we're right. Nearing so 100. there you go. So that just seems it might as well to me. It might as well be 1,000. Um, so we're 50 shows into this. I want to pull in some uh, sound bites from some of the guests that have been with us and kind of do a little nostalgia, a little gratitude. But more importantly, I just want to do a little bit of reset. And for those of you who are near to the sh- or are new to the show, uh, get some insights on me. And, and rather than me try and divulge all of that, I thought I'd get some help from somebody that I trust as a great interviewer, and that would be Peter. So, Peter, the show, the floor, whatever it is, it's all yours. Hey, man, I am honored to be here and to to make some space here for you to talk about who is Angus and what you're about and some history for you to tell some stories maybe you've never told before on the show and uh, for people to have an opportunity to dive deep, you know, and that's, that's what we do on our show, right? We dive deep. We talk about things that are meaningful. And I think you've got a lot here that uh, your audience is going to be really excited and um, honored for you uh, to hear about from you. Um, so first, 
I would love for you to share the story of like, who is Angus, right? Like, what, what are you about? What are you passionate about? Um, which then will lead into some of your backstory and we'll get into the why a little bit later. But who are you? Um, I'm a lover of Samantha, my wife, and father of three children who are 21, 7, and 6. Um, I love to play my guitar, but since I've had kids, I barely get to pick it up. But it's hanging on the wall. It's hanging on the wall, though. At least, yeah. I actually have another one over here. I, I have two, and then one on the floor. It's really pathetic that I have three guitars and I don't pick them up very often at all. Um, and I also love to sing. Um, I'm a karaoke fiend. If there's karaoke, I'm there. Um, a little more behind the scenes. Um, you know, I I've always been an encourager, like my entire life. My my mom will tell you stories about when we were children. One time we got into a situation where um, my mom didn't know if we were going to get home. I think we ran out of gas and it was like pouring rain or something like that. It was something dramatic out of a movie type of thing. And my mom tells the story that I put my arm around her and I said, it's going to be okay, mommy. We're going to make it. And she will tell you stories like that's just been my nature. And interesting enough, my story of life hasn't always been like that. Like my story has a lot of opportunities where I wish I had an encourager like me. Um, and yet ironically, like it's never stopped me. It's all, it's almost as if my own failures and stupidity has only further strengthened my compassion, and empathy to help people rise from where they're at to where they could be. Where do you think the encourager mentality stems from? Is it something that's inherent? Did you witness something as a, as a young child that helped to foster that in you? What's the yeah, deal? I don't know. It's weird DNA. It was bad Oreos. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's, there's been a part of me that's always cheered for the underdog. And I think part of it is probably because there have been times in my life where I was the underdog. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you, you know, in fifth grade, one of my friends was riding a bike and I was with some of my pals. He was with some new people that I didn't know, but we had sleepovers. We went to the same school. We, you know, we were buddies and he said something smart off cuff to me. And then I said something back to him like, you know, hey, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then I called him an asshole and I was just, you know, but in, in friendly context, And I think he had some pride that he was trying to like puff up his feathers in front of his new friends. And he came over and got my face. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, what? I was just joking. Like I was, it it got me so blindsided, like why he was confronting me. And all of a sudden he just pounded me in the face Mm. and I dropped to the ground and I'm like trying to defend myself with words. Like, what are you doing with it? And he just laid into me. And I just felt like, in that moment, just this, you know, powerlessness, like it, it didn't make any sense to me. And then just two years later, I was in junior high and, uh, I had another kid who probably was like six inches younger than, or six inches shorter than me. And he was a year older than me. And I just got picked out of the crowd and he pushed me up against the wall with a whole crowd of people around us trying to get me to push a nickel with my nose on the ground and I wouldn't do it. And he was with another guy who, again, was somebody from my neighborhood, from my hood. And he wasn't defending me. He was just encouraging this little guy. And, um, 
I remember just inside, just welling up with tears. And I just wanted to lash out at this kid. And just about the time I was about to just, you know, go nuts, um, a gym teacher grabbed us by the scruff of our necks and yanked the two of us into the, the, um, the cafeteria and gave us a, a tongue lashing. Now, apparently this other kid had been in trouble before, so he got way more than I did. And uh, a few years later, that kid carried a pistol into uh, high school and got arrested. So he was a little bit of a wild card himself. Wow. But those are stories. I mean, I can think of another one I just as I'm sharing all of my pain. Uh, I must have been freshman year of high school. And there was a kid who, again, just kind of caught me in his crosshairs. And he was a big kid. He's wanted to go in the Marines. He was all muscular and whatever. And I can remember him in soccer. He, I would be running and he'd come up behind me and he'd kick one of my feet in behind the other foot while I was in mid stride and trip me right on my face into the gravel. Hmm. And I get up and like, what did I do? You know, I'm just doing my thing. And the same kid in choir class, just a few weeks later, he was sitting behind me and he would take his foot and he kept pushing the back of my chair, which was on a riser. And he kept moving me inches and inches closer to the edge. And like, I didn't know how to defend myself. I didn't know what to do. And I'm panicking because I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to make a scene. At the same time, this guy's going to push me off the edge of this thing. And at some point, the choir director saw the look on my face. He probably saw the tears welling up. And then he lit into that kid, like, what the hell are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I just lost it. I'm like crying, like, someone came to my rescue, blah, blah, blah. Like, my life had these moments where I felt less than. Mm. And I hate that feeling. I despise that feeling. And, um... I never want anyone to ever feel like that ever. So dude, you're not messing around. So, <laughs> <laughs> so up in your business, how does it tie into that? Like how does it help people that are maybe in that state? The chair is about to come off the riser. Like how are you helping them to push that back? So I think there's an element of that that makes us think that we're the only one experiencing what we're experiencing in that moment. And we think that no one is there for us and we ultimately feel isolated. And to me, up in your business is an effort to get past the minutia of the day-to-day and the minutia of uh, ego and uh, pomp and stance and get down to the real conversations of what's truly going on behind the scenes. And no matter where people are at or what they're experiencing, I always say that you're not alone. And I think at the end of the day, regardless of whether it's marketing or sales or copy or you know business acumen of whatever sort, like I think all of us need to know that we're not alone, A, and then B, um, there's more to the story. Give me an example of someone you worked with and the situation they came to you with and some of the issues that were underlying that maybe came to the surface as you worked together and then how you came to a solution. I think that would help people kind of frame what it would look like going through that process. I know it would help me. Sure. So I have a friend of mine who um, once wanted to start a business and um, he kept talking about it. And he kept talking about it and he kept talking about it for over a year. 
And, um, you know, I would encourage him. I said, you're going to do it. It's gonna be awesome. Blah, blah, blah. And we would meet for coffee in the mornings. Um, and this would be like probably every week, every other week, something like that. And so we met a lot. And as we talked, what I come, came to find out was there was a whole lot of underlying issues than just starting a business. And the fact that he hadn't started the business was because he hadn't contended with other issues. One was he had this girlfriend. He didn't know if he wanted to marry her. And then if he did marry her, could he provide for her? What kind of risk would he be putting himself in to start a new company versus staying comfortable in his job? Blah, blah, blah. And when it came down to it, what we found out was he didn't believe in himself. Like he didn't believe he had what it took. And what happened, what happened was we got to the point where he finally just said, if I'm going to be the man for my wife to be, you know, he got got serious about this girl. Well, then I need to be the man for the business to be. And he called me (laughs) one day. He said, all right, I, I, I got the domain. I've got the, I've got artwork. I need your vote. And all of a sudden he had like a 99 designs thing. You know, he had like, you know, 60 Mm -hmm. different things to choose from. And we were like choking under the weight of all the different options. And so then we opened up to a bunch of people and it was cool because the more people we got involved, the more he started to like rise up and he saw that other people believed in him. He saw that other people got excited about his great idea. And before long he had a company. And he did all the legal stuff, checked all the boxes. And I mean, this was a process that once he made the decision, he had a business in probably three or four weeks. Mm -hmm. But it took that full year of contemplation and frustration and working through a whole slew of other mental blocks. It's so interesting to me, like you are absolutely your worst enemy. Right. Right. And so are you. Yeah, you for sure, <laughs> Angus specifically when I said you, and me, Peter, I would for sure. Uh, but you know, it's so you're you're your worst enemy, man. Right. And and the, what's crazy is you could go through life to the end with all these hangups that keep you from doing all kinds of amazing stuff, right? Or you could have someone help you uncover them and then overcome them, mm-hmm. right? But I think it's scary to even think about uncovering them. Right. Because mm-hmm. the, the first thing I think about when you give this 99 design story is my method is if I've got something I want to launch, I immediately start telling everybody. And I do that because I don't want to let anybody down and I don't want to look like a liar. <laughs> right. So then I end up, I have to do it. Right. right. Now, it's like a bit uh, of accountability. It's a huge amount of accountability, accountability. Right. And you said that he got, um, he got a verification, validation that he had a good idea. Some people are scared they're going to get validation that a bad idea, right? right? People are going to be like, oh, dude, this is horrible, right? And so all of this to say, it's nice to uncover things and then be able to overcome them, but it's scary because you don't know what you're going to uncover. Mm-hmm. It's scary because it's like, wait a minute, if I start going down this path, I can't ignore it anymore, mm-hmm. right? And then I've got to face whatever it is that's underneath that. How do you help somebody even make the decision that they're like, okay, I am fed up with this. There's Mm -hmm. stuff to uncover. I'm ready. How do you, how do you get somebody to that point? So at the end of the day, I can't make anyone do anything. Yeah. Right. 
How do you help them? Um, so what I try to do is I try to amplify the pain. Walk them down the line of the continuum that if you stay in this place and you continue along this path, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, people will come to a conclusion that either they think I'm full of crap or they realize you're absolutely right. And again, I love the perspective that I'm just the guide. I'm not the guru. I, I get to take you by the hand and I get to show you, but I can't force or control you. And I, and, and I also am not your savior. Like I never want to put myself in that position. I think back when maybe I probably had some of that perspective, like, Oh, I've got answers for you. And now I just realize most of us have answers for ourselves. We just need somebody to help pull it out of us. And that's kind of the role I see myself taking now. All right. To switch gears a little bit. This is what you're passionate about now. We've learned about your childhood. There's a huge in-between there. Yeah. Right? So first let's hear about, I mean, what did you do before this? Like what was, what was your professional life? What did your professional life look like before up in your business? Like just recently or just the whole career? I, I think I'd like to hear all of it. All of it? Okay. <laughs> so um, I graduated from high school and I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I graduated from a conservative, charismatic Bible college with a degree in youth ministry. That was my background. And immediately after that, went um, on the mission field and spent two months in the Soviet Union, um, right in time to come home. And two weeks later, the tanks rolled into Moscow. And um, it turned from a communist country to kind of a free trade. Um, they still never figured it out <laughs> on what they wanted to be, but it more or less turned from um, from Gorbachev to Yeltsin was the leadership. That was kind of a pivotal time in my life because I, I was able to see like all of the things that we had been raised in the 80s. Um, we thought Russians were all these terrible things in the cold war. We talked about them as ugly alcoholic and, you know, um, I don't know, all sorts of terrible things. I got there and they were everything, but they were kind and they were generous and they were wonderful and, um, and beautiful. And, um, that was kind of the first change. I got involved with a, a missions organization during the summer. So every summer I went overseas uh, after that trip. So it was the Soviet Union. Then I went to um, Venezuela. I went to Thailand. I went to Mexico. I went to, I even did some inner city stuff in New Orleans. And in between that, I would go up to Sun Valley, Idaho for the winters. And I worked at a ski resort and I was checking tickets for uh, the skiers, including the VIPs. So I got to meet a lot of like really interesting cats. So everything from Bruce Willis. And back then he was still married to Demi Moore. Um, and then I met, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and, uh, Clint Eastwood and, uh, the original Batman, Adam West and, um, the punky Brewster and, um, I don't know, whole slew, uh, Brooke Shields, um, the blonde girl from splash, uh, Daryl Hannah taught her, gave her, uh, tidbits on how to, how to surf, or surf, how to, how to snowboard. Like, really kind of a magical life, right? And at the, near the end of that, my brother and I got a computer for Christmas. My dad had bought us a Apple Performa 6200 that he bought at Sears for like 2,500 bucks. <laughs> so I'm no Apple Johnny come lately. I'm like old school Apple. And uh, back when it was like those like off-white boxes. 
Um, and so we started messing around with learning how to do graphic arts and we had this idea, uh, to start like an entertainment company, kind of to be Disney before Disney got all weird. They've kind of come full circle, but back then they were a little shady. We weren't so family centric. And we kind of were thinking, well, what if? And at the same time, we got an opportunity to model for J. Crew. We showed up at an audition. They were coming in to do a photo shoot. And, sure. Uh, this was before I was follically challenged and <laughs> the two of us went into the audition. Uh, there's like six, 700 people there and they're all dressed to the nines, just, you know, looking like the part. And we were dressed in snowboard pants and flannels and somehow we got, you know, accepted. So we got to be in that. And I mean, again, just really crazy, magical stuff. And we went to go start this company and we went to Chicago to buy our first, um, record company. And we, it had some financing uh, investors. And as we were getting ready to kind of sign the dotted line, there was a hurricane that hit uh, one of our main investors' vacation home. He backed out, everybody backed out, and we were left high and dry. We ultimately became friends with the people of the record company we were going to buy, um, but we had to change gears and figure out what we we're going to do. And so we were in Chicago at the time. That was where the record company was. And we went up to Wisconsin where my folks were and said, hey, we'll spend a few weeks and you know, kind of re- rejigger our plan. And while we're sitting down again over coffee, we came up with this idea to start this nonprofit organization called Rockwater. And that was a nonprofit organization that was uh, arts driven for, you know, older teens and twenties. And we ended up opening those doors for that place about a year and a half later, after we put a lot of blood and sweat equity into this building and we teamed up with my dad who kind of helped us and a bunch of other people. We opened the doors and because of my faith background, a lot of people just assumed it was going to be a faith-based element, but I didn't want it to be. I, I want it to be open to anybody. And so some of the faith-based people said, well, you're just, you know, hypocrites and backslidden and all these other terrible phrases that were totally not true, but that's the <laughs> way they paint us in the 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 public. And then the people who had nothing to do with faith didn't know why we were getting so persecuted. And they thought we were a cult. Like, well, we must be bad news if the church folk don't like you. Now I've learned that if church folk don't like you, maybe you're doing something right. But that's just my own little caveat. I'll <laughs> set that aside. And uh, uh, so it was really hard to kind of get that ball rolling, but we ended up having like 15,000 kids come through our doors. Um, we had a lot of commercial success on the outside as far as like putting on some festivals and some concerts. We had a lot of people take notice of us, but internally we were making really bad financial decisions. Um, one of those festivals lost us $72,000 in one weekend. Now mm. it was a great conf or a great festival. We had train was the headliner and it was awesome, but it was dumb. And that's when I started to turn inward. And, um, I thought, well, I'll just have to work harder, uh, to kind of make this thing work, you know, make and it you're happen. single at this point or, um, I just gotten married. Okay. And so it was kind of in the midst. In fact, you know, quite honestly, I guess if I were to psychoanalyze myself, I, I can't help but think that maybe my marriage wasn't a product of me trying to be distracted, trying to cope, um, and uh, so we got married in the midst of all that and it just got worse financially and the pressure kept building. And so I've been married for about a year and now I turn to cope with the pain, start off with pornography and then to alcohol and then adulterous relationships. And I was 
you know, hurting people around me without even knowing it. I was, I just became super selfish and narcissistic. I started having fights with my parents. I started having fights with, um, some of the people on our team. And before long, we had the city slid a note under our door and said we had to close. Uh, they were going to build a new parking ramp on our entire block. There's no energy or money available to rebuild. Um, well, the city offered us like 35 K, but that was like nothing. And, um, everything collapsed and emotionally, um, I collapsed. Um, so I lost my marriage. I lost the business. I lost my self-worth and, and my vision and spent about the next three years trying to put the pieces together again. Flash forward to 2005, I've discovered this thing called grace that you don't have to be perfect, that you don't have to get it all right. And that you're loved just because of who you are, not because of what you do. And that kind of empowered me. So the, one of the teachers I was learning from, um, had a school down in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. So I packed up, put my house on the market and left for Alabama, which probably wasn't the smartest thing in the world. I should have probably got the household that created all sorts of mess later, but in hindsight, 2020, um, I spent a year just kind of learning about counseling and psychology and emotional health. And in that process, I met this girl and I thought she was pretty cool. So I pulled what I called the George Costanza and I did the opposite of every natural impulse. And, uh, that started to work for me. Like instead of me, you know, having fear and thinking that she was trying to criticize me, like understanding that she wanted my best interests and that she actually, you know, cared for me. And we ended up getting married. Um, she had a child from her first practice marriage and, um, and then we had two more. Um, and during that time I was running another nonprofit on leadership for young adults. And, um, yeah, so, uh, 2009 hit and we're out of money again and another nonprofit, another problem. But this time it was just a matter of circumstances. And my, my ego wasn't attached to it. My, my value was not attached to it. I just knew it was the right thing to do to close the doors. And what we did, my wife said, here, you stay home with the kids finish your book. And I wrote a book about that entire period of that dark time in my life called Love's Compass. Um, how do you recover after a, a lost relationship? And um, I ended up winning an award for that book for most promising new writer. So now all of a sudden I've got these literary agents asking me if I would, you know, want them to represent me. I found one I, I really loved that kind of had an understanding of who I was. Uh, she represented a guy named Donald Miller, who's one of my favorite authors. And I think I kind of write similar to him. So I knew she got me. We pitched it and they said it was too raw, it was too narrative, and I wasn't famous. So I didn't get a book deal. So I ended up self-publishing and now I learned about social media. And this is where the story starts to change. I dove into uh, social media to learn everything I could because at the same time, my identical twin brother was the head of social media for a large company called Salesforce. Well, it wasn't mm -hmm. as large as it is now. Um, and um, we'll come back to that in just a moment. I started um, learning with social media and then consulting for others. And then I started daddy blog. And then I started meeting daddy bloggers who some of them were crossovers into the corporate space. So there was like Jason Falls and CC Chapman and some of these interesting cats that, um, I got along with. And then my brother would hear me talking about it, like, how do you know those guys? Those are my friends. And it was very brotherly. And, um, I ended up at a daddy <laughs> blogger conference in Austin, Texas during South by Southwest. And my brother was there because he was with obviously Salesforce and he had the Salesforce expense account. So he's staying at the W and I say, bro, I'm staying with you. 
So during the day, I went to all of uh, the daddy blogger stuff. In the evenings, I went out with my brother to all the tech parties. And his little trick that he played, well, I, I'm, I'm going to admit, I love it too. He would throw me in front of his influencer friends and I would pretend to be Marcus. And they'd be like, hey, Marcus, how's it going? Blah, blah. Because they didn't know me. And uh, Marcus didn't talk about me or anything, which is a whole other issue I need to take up with him. And um, then four or five minutes in the conversation, Marcus would either tap them on the shoulder or walk up behind me. And they'd be like, what the, what, what, what the? <laughs> and um, that's how I met a lot of the influencers that you've heard on my show are a product of those pranks. Wow, that's awesome. And one of those was a guy named Jeremiah. And uh, Jeremiah, just a little while later, was starting another company. And my brother gave me a heads up and said, ask him if he needs some help. So I reached out and said, hey, do you need some help? He was leaving the social media space as a researcher and consultant and was starting a new company um, focused on, you know, the elements of transformation in business models being Uber and Lyft and Airbnb and he brought me on to be the people side. So he handled all the research. I handled this association and managed all of our members. And uh, we eventually became an innovation company, uh, basically a, an association or a club. So large brands, all Fortune 1000 brands internationally paid to be a part of our club. And then we would educate them in the opportunities that were in the space of both the sharing economy, like I just mentioned, but also the maker movement, internet of things, artificial intelligence, um, drones and autonomous vehicles and everything that was disrupting something. We were doing the research in that space and helping educate them and make introductions for them to learn the thought leaders or the startups in that space. And so that was my role up until just a few weeks ago. And now I've left from the innovation uh, company that I was with to do innovation consulting. And now I'm doing what I'm doing now full time and coaching and running masterminds. That's incredible, man. So where did, what's your vision for the next 12 months, if you can share? The next 12 months, um, I want to get this thing up and running and taking care of my family to, to a degree where I can start building more products that help people in very practical and actionable ways. Um, in addition, I've got a book that I'll be delivering to the public in April of 2017 called Empowering Work. And that'll dive into some of the future of work scope um, and what's coming. Uh, in the change of how big brands are turning into small brands and we're watching different companies split. Everything from Xerox has split in half and PayPal and eBay have um, divided. Um, you also see Google has split up into all of its multiple companies under one umbrella of Alphabet. Um, these are all representations of companies learning that running small can actually be a little bit more effective, but also they're going to be getting rid of workforce, um, redundancy, which means they're going to be dealing, dealing with less and less full-time employees and relying more and more on contract employees. And so my book dives into where the data is pointed and how that is starting to play out. But on the back end of the book, I like to think of it as um, an approach of a mullet. It's business up front, party in the back. The, <laughs> the back end will be the tools and resources to help people be effective in both the mindset 
and the actual actions they need to take to develop their own brand, manage their reputation, and manage their network. And then the most critical component will be the emotional intelligence to be successful from both sides, from the leadership side of large brands and as this contract employee of tomorrow. How did you draw the connection between your previous profession up till recently and your passion for up in your business? Because um, I don't know that I would have personally drew like drew that connection initially. Like, how did you how did you make the connection? Like, oh wait, these kind of tie together. Um, yeah, there's definitely no formula. Like first A, then B, then C. Um, it has been a really crazy organic. Um, way that all developed while I was running, um, crowd companies, I was obviously dealing with, you know, people from these large brands and people have probably heard me say this before that, you know, even if you go to a great school and you work for this top company, you're making incredible money that does not guarantee happiness or fulfillment. And so I found myself coaching some of the executives that I was dealing with and some of them were really candid. And I count that as an absolute privilege uh, to get invited into those conversations. And that kind of got the wheels spinning. Like, what if I took some of my experience of the motivational side and, and encouragement side and bridge that into this corporate space where I didn't see, at least in my perspective, too much, um, there, there's not a lot of competition in that space. Because when you start talking corporate, people are a little bit more guarded. It's not an open conversation or hasn't been. And I actually believe that's changing. People are now talking about mindfulness. They're talking about yoga and meditation and spiritual practice as being healthy um, practices for good business. And so I think that's opening a door for the timing for me to introduce my perspective on all of it. I love it. I love it, man. Do you want to talk about your travels on seemingly unrelated, but I feel like they all kind of tie in, right? Yeah. Um, you know, based on what we, your answer just now, right? So it's like, how did the year long travel, right? How did you come to that decision and how does it tie into where you've ended up now? Um, so I don't even know if I shared that. Do, do even people know that's terrible grammar. Do, do my, does my audience know that that's what happened? So I should probably back up because I actually don't know if I've told that story. <laughs> In 2014, um, my wife and I, uh, while we were working for crowd companies, we decided that we were going to um, start off by selling our house and we thought we were going to move to California or Nashville. Like th those are the two things that we started off with. And um, as we kind of, uh, I was going out the door to go work at a co-working spot. And I told my wife, you know, if we sell our house, like there's no rush for us to get to the next spot. What if we just go visit my family for the summer in Wisconsin and Wisconsin has beautiful summers and lakes and streams and we'll go play and we'll go see Nana and Papa and the kids will love it. And so I went off to work. By the time I got home, my wife said, why stop there? Mm. And she already had a plan. And, um, so that was in May. So June, I think it was June 3rd or something. It, I mean, it was fast. We had everything in storage and we were on plane to San Diego and we found a Airbnb, a two bedroom, our third. Uh, so we had our three children and our, our, our number one child. Um, I was gonna say our third, she's our first child, uh, was off in college 
And so she had her own thing. So we traveled with the two younger ones. And actually when we told our daughter um, what we were doing, she said, y'all crazy. And that became the the name of our uh, blog, thosecrazynelsons.com. And my wife documented our travels. And so we traveled every month to a different city, all the way from San Diego to Aruba and visited people and spoke at places we didn't expect to speak, eat foods we didn't expect to eat, um, made relationships with people we had no idea we could have relationships with. Um, our adventures were such that um, we still interact on social with some of the people whose houses we stayed at. Uh, we got an opportunity to spend five days on a, a penthouse suite in downtown San Diego with a 3,000 square foot um, condo um, with a, a, a maid, or excuse me, a housekeeper. That wasn't very politically right, correct. A housekeeper <laughs> and a chef. Um, we got to go Aruba and every night we'd watch the sun go down. We stayed in a place there for like 1800 bucks for the month. Um, now granted the food was much more expensive. So we ate really cheap on peanut butter and jelly, tuna and cold spaghetti, but I didn't care. It was like an adventure. And, um, so where that all kind of plays together, I think is just the expression or experience of people and seeing through different sets of eyes and making yourself uncomfortable and being comfortable in the unknown. There's a whole lot of logistics that you have to figure out and you have no idea what's going to work. You don't know if the host is telling you the truth or the place is going to turn out the way you thought it was going to turn out. And we actually had one of those where we showed up the Airbnb, we lasted one night and we said, we're out of here. And that was the adventure. And now today we're on another adventure and, you know, building our own company. It's I think there's a lot of parallels there. Yeah. There's so much growth involved in travel. And, you know, as you know, Angus, I mean, family and I have four small kids and we travel for a year. It makes the family bond, I mean, so much stronger. Mm-hmm. You learn how to be adaptable. You learn how to be comfort, comfortable in the discomfort, like you said. Um, and it translates into all other aspects of your life. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's incredible. And the growth that you have there. But what I like most about your story is how it started which is what if mm-hmm. and I love asking myself, we love asking ourselves, what if we did the opposite? Mm-hmm. Right. And then that'll help you kind of open your mind to the possibilities of things, which I think is just, you know, truly incredible. So, I mean, to, to, to speak to the core of up in your business, what is that? Why for you? Right. So you have yeah. these stories from your childhood right, that are kind of a signpost for you to remember kind of what it's like, when someone's not there to, to support you when you need them. But what, what is that why for you? Like what has got you getting up and jumping out of bed in the morning, excited about what it is that you're working on now? I think it's to be able to make my experience contagious. I want to take the understanding that I've learned, the life skills, the life lessons, and pass those on to others that you don't have to go through the same things in order to learn the same lessons. I want to save people from pain. I want to save people from divorce. I want to save people from um, crappy experiences altogether. And I know that I can't do that in and of myself, but I do know that I can inspire it. 
and I can model it and in some small way um, get people to connect that there's a different way. Because I think all of culture, especially our westernized culture, is pulling us away from the things that really matter and accentuating uh, a lot of cloud and smoke. And Mm -hmm. we think it's about, you know, big cars and lots of money and, and, you know, it's not bad to have those things. I think I, I plan on having some of that. I I got no problem with that, but it's never going to have me. And I want to help people know that you can take resources and do good things. Or if you don't have resources, understand that resources aren't cash. Resources are relationship. And if you have relationships, you can, you can assemble pieces of everything else. Um, I just think there's a bigger picture behind all of this. Um, and I would be remiss if I didn't say that there was a spiritual context too. Um, that I believe that I was born for a purpose to bring hope and to bring light. And my faith is a huge element of who I am and who I, um, who I've come to be. And at some point in time, I'd like to spark those conversations too. First, people need to feel safe and they have to be able to trust. No doubt. So somebody's listening. They're inspired about what you're saying. They've been following you for a while or for maybe they're, they're new to the show and they're new to the movement and they want to get plugged in either themselves or they're, they're in a position where they want to bring in someone to, to on a corporate level. Mm-hmm. How do they get involved with Angus? Like what's the best way for them to get plugged in? I think the best way starts with the conversation. So you can reach out to me um, on my website. Um, I have two ways. One is you can just go to, um, you know, set up a call with me um, and you can go to um, a website. Actually, I just set up called Empowering Mastermind. And there's a little form there you can write in and say, hey, this is what we're thinking. This is what it's about. And it's kind of got a little assessment of what your need is. And then I'll reach back to you and set up a call. That would be number one or number two, just reach out to me on email, just at Angus at AngusNelson.com. And I think conversations, relationship, that connection is where anything starts. Mm -hmm. And so rather than put people through a bunch of paces and make them do a bunch of work, let's start talking first. This has been an awesome conversation, man. Is there anything that you feel like the audience doesn't know about you that you need to share? Um, I don't know. I think I'm pretty much an open book, but I guess maybe that's it. If you don't know that, especially if you haven't been listening for long, um, like the last thing I want to do is have anyone meet me and have me not be the person they think I am. Mm-hmm. Like, I hope that my life and my words and my actions echo my heart and that there's congruence to such a degree that people um, see me as that person they can trust and see me as a person that they can be safe around. And I, I'd like to think that's my calling card. Like, I, I'm not trying to build my ego or be some kind of weird narcissistic fool anymore. Uh, my life has just been about serving and serving to such a degree that it moves people from where they are to where they need to be. 
for the listener that hasn't picked that up by now, you haven't been listening. <laughs> Rewind and try again. <laughs> That's good. Um, I think I'm going to end it with one request that you have no idea is coming, which is you said you like to sing. Yeah. I, I think we need to hear something. What do you want to hear? Whatever you want to sing, your favorite song, um, Kanye West, whatever's on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> okay, no, no. I, so we, we can do that. I can't do Kanye West, but okay. So <laughs> I was totally kidding. I'll, I'll pull something out of the recesses that I pulled at BMW headquarters. Uh, okay. Somebody made a joke in a room that has all this like great acoustics in it. And they said, well, if anybody here can pull out a, a piece of opera or something, and I did a little bit of vocal training. So I have one song that's kind of in my repertoire. So I'll do that. Already. Che fiero costume da leggero nume che vozza di pene si faccia adorar, si faccia adorar. Che crudo destino con cieco bambino con bocca di latte si faccia stimar. How's that? Wow. <laughs> and without any prompting, like you had no idea I was going to ask you either. That's hilarious. I, <laughs> yeah, I keep that one in my little quiver. I love it. I love it, man. Well, Angus, it's been a pleasure, man, and an honor to be able to interview you on episode 50. And if you will, bring me back for 100, man. I'll be here. <laughs> right on. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. All right, bro. Take it easy. Thanks to Peter for having a little fun with us today. I hope you've seen a little bit deeper into my life and now um, you can observe kind of how I've been shaped and molded by my story. And the truth is your story is shaping you too. So I want to encourage you, never forget that each and every lesson in life is building upon the next if you let it. And that's good stuff right there. Allow each and every opportunity to build a, be a building block for your life as it serendipitously and organically becomes something really amazing. So, all right, I have taken enough time to talk today and I need to skip out the door to race to my kids program tonight. I love being a daddy. I wanted to give you a reminder that the founder discount runs until August 23rd. Sign up for my email list on my website if you want a 50% discount code for any of my coaching programs. The mastermind has a few thoughts left. Again, if you want to unlock the code for your ultimate living, let's get you on board that train. Toot toot. Well, that's cheesy. You can go to AngusNelson.com forward slash coaching for all of the details. Let me know uh, what your thoughts are on today's program. And you can get uh, me on Twitter at Angus Nelson if you're looking for any links or show notes. Find that on uh, my uh, website at AngusNelson.com forward slash zero five zero. I'm your host, Angus Nelson. Go ahead and tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give is a referral to someone else, either by telling in person or sharing on the web. Keep taking your business up by getting up in your business. Live intentionally, love extravagantly, and lead with self-awareness. Be amazing, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. Find more at upinyourbusiness.co. Remember, that's .co, not com.